Well, George has read for us. Um, I'm just going to pray for our time together. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that we can trust you and listen to you and your words. We pray that you would help us to do that this evening and that we would listen and also want you to change us and that we would not be the same and that you would show us the ways in which you are changing us uh, to make us more like you. Amen. Let me start off with this. Uh, What would you do if you knew that this was, that the world was going to end tomorrow? What would you do? Or or put it another way, um, what would you not do? Well, that's pretty easy. Uh, I haven't asked a huge amount of people, but I think one of the top answers up there would be, well, that's, I wouldn't go to work, for that's, that's for sure. That's a no-brainer. Um, and actually, I'm sure uh, some of the people who have been on luxurious um, trips can tell you afterwards, uh, there's some amazing places that you could spend uh, that last 24 hours or 17 hours as shown here. Um, this is uh, a helpful thing for us to start off with to get us in the frame of mind of two Thessalonians um, and what's going on in the church. Um, and let's just have a recap Paul has been encouraging them with the truth about Jesus' return. Uh, They can be sure that any opposition they face now is proof that God will bring them into his kingdom. And the glory that they are bringing to him now will be enjoyed fully in his presence when he returns. But in the wake of lies last week that were sown about that day, saying it had already come, they can have certainty about the end. And even if it's going to get harder, Jesus has the last word. They are to hold firmly to that truth and be praying that it would spread further through Paul's ministry. But there is yet another issue undermining the gospel in the church. And it's not from outside the church, it's from inside the church. You see that in verse 6. Let's read it together. It says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. It seems like some of the people have gone fishing. There's Christians in the church not working, and they're being idle. Notice that Paul's not challenging those outside the church on this issue, He refers to them as brothers. They are Christians. They have, through God's grace, been brought into God's family. Uh, We read in chapter 2, verse 13, it said that they were called, uh, that they were chosen to be saved. They believed in the truth. They were called through the gospel. And they will obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus. Now, Paul does have words for these Uh, these few Christians in the church and they come later on in verse 12 but actually the bulk bulk of what Paul's going to say is to the rest of the church here they are is that there? great And, and as a whole they've been doing really well in their love for one another we read in verse 3 of chapter 1 Paul thanks God for them their faith is growing and so is their love for one another he can see that and everyone's talking about it but he is concerned 
about this group. And he is concerned about the effect it's having on the church. And so in, the next, in those verses, he tells them how they should respond. Here it is, in verse 6, he says, the first thing, the first command is, keep away from them. Uh, let's read verse 6, it says, keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. It's, it's, it's here at the start, and if you drop down to verse 14, it's there at the end as well. Have nothing to do with him. Well, that's pretty shocking, isn't it? It's pretty drastic that Paul would, would be saying something like that and, and actually saying, suggesting saying that they should do this. It's pretty drastic. And so Paul gives them, in the next uh, five verses, he gives them three reasons why this is important. Uh, they start with the, the word for. Um, so if you look in verse 7, that's the first one. If you look in verse 10... That's the next one. And if you look in verse 11, that's the third reason. He gives them three pieces of evidence, um, supporting evidence, to back up his case. Uh, The first one in verses 7 is this. You know how we lived. You know how we lived among you. Let's read it together, verse 7 to 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labour, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. First piece of evidence, Paul says, "Look look at us. Look at how we were with you. We weren't like that. And actually, when you look at the life of Paul... It's sacrificial. You just can't get away from that. And his sacrifice was to bring the gospel to people like the Thessalonian church. That's, that's why they're there. Because Paul was sacrificially went with the gospel. And actually, we're not just to think highly of Paul. Paul is shaped like Jesus. The one who went to every length to save sinners. Paul says it was an example for you. That's the first piece of evidence. Um, The second piece of evidence is there in uh, verse 10. That was the first one, you know how how we lived. The second one is, you know what we taught in verse 10. It says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to eat, uh, to work, let him not eat. It's it's such a crystal clear command, isn't it? I mean, you can't really dodge it or misunderstand it. It's just like, don't work, don't eat. And, and this is really helpful, isn't it? Because it says, you shouldn't help yourself to whatever it is, food, if, if you're not going to contribute towards it in some way. Or if you don't want to contribute by not working. And if you want to contribute you're going to need some form of income. Uh, put this put positively, when, when you eat together, bring something and give to what is being um, shared. Don't expect it all to come your way. Um, in his first letter to them, Paul wrote uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, these words, they appear on the screen. 
Sorry, that's the second piece of evidence. Is it coming now? I'm not sure what this is doing now. It's frozen. Wonderful. Uh, let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. Verse 9 to 12, and we'll just read that together. It says, he said, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no, reason, no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So, the matter of uh, laziness is actually a matter of love for one another. Those who love each other will not want to burden each other. And God's family are to love each other as Christ loved them. Uh, Whenever we have guests visiting in our household, um, obviously the flurry of activity, getting ready for a meal or whatever it was, uh, each member of the family would chip in and help. And their contribution would vary hugely depending on their age and their ability, of course. So my job was the dishwasher. I was seven years old or whatever, and my job was the dishwasher. I could just about manage not to smash everything. And it was made into a bit more exciting by a time challenge, which also made it more likely that I was going to smash something. Um, but everyone chipped in, and actually no one, no one said and told people that's what you had to do. They wanted to do it. The reason was because they, wanted to, they loved each other, and... It would be unloving, wouldn't it, if some did all the work and others sat in front of the TV waiting for the food to arrive, just come to them. And just imagine if the guests turned up. It would be shameful, wouldn't it, and certainly wouldn't showcase a family they'd want to be part of. As brothers and sisters in God's family, it should be the best example of one. And when we see church as God's family... It gives us love motivation for wanting to chip in and get involved. It helps us remember that love for one another is the first thing that people notice when they walk through the door. It's not happening, is it? It is. Wonderful. Great. We can go to the next one. (coughs) Don't worry, we do have a new laptop. It is nice and ready to go. No, <laughs> thankfully not, Rona. Um, let's get to verse 11. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Why is Paul telling the church these things? Remember, he's speaking to the church. They're things that they already knew and things that they were already doing. Well, I think it takes us back to our question at the start. Why such a drastic action that they've got to take? Paul's saying, my example what I did, how I lived, how I taught, and the previous letter, they all tell us one thing. It's more about, it's, it's, this is more, about more than just idle behaviour and how it affects others. It's actually about disobedience. Because 
the, the, the people in the church have been told. They know. Or they, should, they, they do know. And so disobedience is much more serious. It's when we hear God's word, which conflicts with our behaviour, and we carry on anyway. And that's why Paul's final piece of evidence in verse 11, if we look at it, is the wrongdoer. Let's read that together. Verse 11. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Nothing's changed since he, since he wrote to them. Nothing's changed. And so the serious thing is not so much the behaviour, it's the disobedience and the unrepentance. We get it wrong as Christians all the time. But when, we, when someone points that out and we refuse to listen, that's the real problem. That's the problem in our heart. It's disobedience. Um, it's unrepentance. And that explains, isn't it, why Paul's saying such drastic action in the church. Don't, you know, you cannot uh, kind of endorse that kind of way. But actually we're going to see that this is all for the benefit of the people who are in the wrong. We'll see that in a moment. So the second command we get is... This is really slow. Uh, Let me go back. Um, The second command we get there in verse 12... Remember I said that this is the, the, I think this is the only time Paul addresses the people in person. He says in verse 12, Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work and to earn their own living. Literally it means pay for their bread. Buy their own bread. Don't keep expecting it from others. Um, and that is the command that's the only thing he really says to them and we'll see we see don't we that here repentance would be so much more than just saying sorry it actually would be accompanied with a change for them to repent would be to no longer be a burden to others and to start coughing up for their contribution It's an action, isn't it? Well, Paul doesn't direct anything more of what he's going to say to to this group um, other than the command that he's already given them. We don't really know what happens, whether they do listen and whether they do change. It is quite um, sad, isn't it, to think um, that some in the church might not listen um, to the truth that they're being given. Uh, But instead, Paul goes straight back to instructing the church in verses 13 and 14. In the next two verses, Paul encourages them to persevere in doing good and taking the difficult but necessary action. It might be the church would question whether this is loving and feel quite guilty about doing this. Paul wants them to see that, though difficult, it really is loving. He says in verse 13, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him. Why? That he may be ashamed. 
it, it could be that the link between these two things, not growing weary and having nothing to do with him, uh, sorry, not growing weary and doing good and having nothing to do with them, it could be that the link is even stronger than that. It could be that this is precisely how they are to not grow weary and to go on doing good. This is how they can do good. But Paul wants to see that them to see their courage can bring real change so, so that they may feel ashamed. The, the benefit is for the wrongdoer. Perhaps as they see how much is being done for them when it's finally withdrawn. You know, they, they'll notice, won't they? Gosh, they really were bending over backwards for me. And that might bring about the right kind of response. This is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. Um, they would feel ashamed and hopefully repent of their behaviour. Um, it says, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. It's an immensely loving thing to do, to warn someone as a brother. It shows really that you care about them. I mean, being part of a family, parents do that to kids all the time, don't they? They say, they don't just say, yeah, what you're doing is great, what you're doing is great. They also instruct them when they're going the wrong way. Um, what does this mean for us? Well, perhaps you're a guest here. And it's great that you're here. Um, you're really welcome, and it's really good to have guests every Sunday enjoying part of being around the church family of Christians. And actually, there's no uh, expectation on you to do anything, really, because um, we want to serve you. We want the gospel to be shared with you and for you to um, hear that and to enjoy that. And can I encourage you to continue coming and to continue looking into the future that is described in this letter. The, the future when Jesus returns, because Jesus is going to hold people to account uh, for the truth about him. And if you've heard that truth and rejected it, this will mean that you come under his right and fair punishment. But if you seek him today, he will offer you forgiveness and make you worthy of the kingdom to come and give you a place in his family. And maybe if, like me, you're feeling quite convicted by this challenge about slack behaviour, just not really putting your effort into things, and, and, and perhaps that's played out in other people just doing everything for you as a Christian, um, just, just take the warning here from Paul. There is something worse than just getting it wrong, <laughs> okay? There is something far worse than that, and it's, it's being unrepentant. It's not saying sorry. It's not seeing it serious and not listening when people tell you about it. Um, today, if you, that's you, turn to Jesus. He's your loving saviour, and he will never turn you away. Uh, the one who has died for all our, our selfishness and our lack of love for other people. Ask him for a true repentance in your heart and a demonstration of love for your brothers and sisters, even in the really practical ways. Maybe you've been uh, a Christian for a while, growing up 
and growing in your love, let me put this up, growing in your love for your family, your, your brothers and sisters, and you've been serving them and the gospel. It is easy, isn't it, to grow weary and tired. There's exhaustion, but more than that, there's opposition in the world around you for, for being a Christian. There's actually lies, and that can be really hurtful. All the things that the Thessalonians faced, they're just as much around today. And it will make you want to throw the towel in. Hear this, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Keep going. Um, let's, let's pray that God would help us to, um, to love each other, to keep um, putting the gospel at the centre of everything that we do uh, for each other and for um, others as well. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for what you um, are doing. Thank you that you are calling people into a radical new life uh, because of what you have done for them. Thank you that you see our hearts completely, our motivations. Whether we're in a flurry of activity or whether we're a little bit shy at coming forward, whether we've got uh, all the resources in the world or whether we're struggling to make ends meet, um, we, we thank you that you see our hearts. And with that in mind, Lord, would you uh, please help us to see all that you have done for us and and see what you are using and doing in us to, to share the gospel with others. We pray that you would grow us in our love for one another. And uh, we pray that you would help us to be those who would uh, really serve each other in love. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.